This is the Tribe of Millionaires podcast from GoBundance. The tribe of healthy, wealthy, generous people who choose to live epic lives. Listen Tuesdays for featured guests and Fridays for GoBundance member spotlights. But listen always to hear how our guests have grabbed life big. Now, here's your host, Jamie Gruber. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's really great to be here today. This guy and I connected because we had a kind of a, a, a similar path corporately and left that path corporately around the same time. So it's been yeah. neat to kind of follow one another and, and get to know each other. And he's just an inspiring dude. You're going to really enjoy this interview. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a real estate investor. He's a GoBundance brother. Hemel Badiani, welcome, brother. Good to have you here. Yeah, likewise, man. I am. I am continue to stay inspired with uh, all the posts, all the things that you're doing. While our paths were same on the W two side and leaving that, and just the last year in general, in 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 our own ways, we've carved out a unique path since then. And I'm excited yeah. to share mine and also talk about yours. Yeah, and yours. I yeah. Thank you for that. And yours is exciting too. I, I mean, I just love. Like I don't know. Your yours felt like it was. It was like you were there and then you just had to kind of say like, you know what? It's time. What am I doing? And you and you made the move, but we'll get there. We'll get that. Yeah. I don't want to get too far ahead. Let's yeah. start with backstory. What uh, give us your story from, you know, where you're from and take us up through today and, and you know, give us the five to seven minute version of you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, so grew up in India, was born there, a little town, uh, business entrepreneur family. So learned all the lean, mean processes and just, you know, staying frugal. Uh, saving that penny, you know, uh, having a very lean operation, you know, home office type of deal. Uh, my my dad used to get uh, FedEx and others to store his uh, factory stuff for free <laughs> just because of relationships. So we never invest in a warehouse. So uh, very, very naive, uh, you know, kid just pampered growing up. It was just phenomenal. Uh, typical Indian family with, you know, lots of servants and maids and all of that. And uh, one day, somehow, destiny told me that I need to move 10,000 miles away, leave that comfort, um, and uh, come down to Charlotte, North Carolina, of all the places in the world. I'd never been here before, never knew anyone except one kid who'd, who'd moved here uh, with his cousins and stuff, but he moved back before I, I could actually physically move here. So when I landed here, it was a uh, Big, big culture shock, big, uh, big shock in all aspects. Um, you know, had my first uh, college job in Chick-fil-A, uh, then graduated to Burger King, Pizza Hut, laundromat, gas stations, the whole shebang, summer jobs. Um, I did that for a couple of years. Then uh, again, intuition told me I need to chase this girl who is now my wife uh, down to London in the UK. So moved over to London post-graduation. And uh, started my career in the consulting side, along with my relationship, uh, I got married. Um, and uh, that journey took me for 15 years across three continents. So lived in Asia, lived in Europe, uh, lived in uh, North America uh, with the consulting clients, a couple of dozen of them, everybody from Disney theme parks to the Vatican. Uh, I had the good pleasure of standing before their CEOs, CFOs, 
uh, as a young kid and tell them, hey, this is something wrong with your business, <laughs> uh, which was uh, fascinating that they would even listen to me at that stage. Uh, but did that for a whole of 15 years. Uh, in the meantime, moved back to Charlotte in 2008. This has been my home. Uh, so always come back to this place and, and the beauty it represents. Um, and uh, yeah, so did that 15 years. I'll, I'll keep on going if you, if you want. Well, let's, yeah, no, I, I'm taking all these notes and I, you're probably seeing me look down like, because yeah. I'm thinking, where do I go here? I've got a couple of different avenues and I don't want to be too all over the place. I might be there, but let's just start yeah. with this. What jumped out to me first, Vatican, consulting for the Vatican. Yeah. How? What does that mean? What do you mean you're consulting for the Vatican? Who? Who? Who in the, the Pope? One of the top, uh, one of the archbishops? Like, who are yeah. you consulting with and what are you consulting about if you're able to share? Yeah, absolutely. So the Vatican Ministry of Communication reached out to my firm back then, the consulting firm, management consulting firm. And they were like, hey, you know, we have this 1 billion population audience that we need to create an omni-channel strategy for. And that means, you know, reaching out, outward, not marketing, but outreach uh, in terms of mobile, in terms of web, in terms of uh, podcasts, other things. That what can we represent and build on that allows us to have content creation in these different mechanisms for different demographics between within that audience of 1 billion? So... We went to the Vatican's Ministry of Communication and kind of created this two, three month uh, led strategy as a small team to kind of help them understand what what are they trying to achieve, what are they, what is their audience looking for, and how how we can marry that. So fascinating project. So it was not for the Pope, but they're one of the administrative offices. That's similar with Disney. Was it was it a communication strategy that they were looking for to capture their audience? I mean, what what, what did that look like? Yeah, Disney was uh, pretty amazing. That's one of my most fascinating projects because uh, if you if you go to Disney World or Disney Disneyland and you wear the Magic Band, I, I was part of the team that helped create that. No kidding. Uh, yeah, so it was super fascinating. So Disney's thing was, hey, we have a problem. We want more customer data to be collected. You want to know when people buy their popcorn at 9 o'clock or 12 o'clock or how much would they're willing to pay for and so, you know, they really wanted to build on that data and analytics to get to a place where they can uh, really, um, you know, achieve more refinement and provide more personalized experience way back when. This was in 2012. So uh, we kind of said, let's reframe that conversation. Instead of focusing on the data, focus on what experience you can provide as a, as a, to the client or the customer. And once you do that, um, and we found this startup company, which we eventually acquired, which provided these magic bands and they've created this whole fast track portal and interactive stuff. So it's a whole immersive experience that now Disney has over the last decade taken to the next level. But essentially it was that, right? It's build, building something that the customers love doing or having, and then them giving you the data points, which Disney tracks you, you know, all across where you go. Uh, it doesn't matter. So they they now know over the years, you know, here's where I need to keep those uh, mermaid little bubble things uh, cart, right? That, would, you know, when the kids are walking from one kingdom to the other, and that's where, you know, it'll sell the fastest or the highest price or whatever the case may be. 
So that that was just reframing of the conversation and then building on that idea. And Disney was willing to adopt and you know experiment with this strategy, which was a super hit. And then we could recycle that and then went to Carnival Cruises and they started looking at that. So, you know, it has multiple levels of capabilities and functionalities when you kind of put something together as a as a whole. Interesting. Interesting. Let's go back to the beginning. Uh, I want to explore the entrepreneurial family. What what were what were your parents? What was their entrepreneurial endeavor? Your dad, your mom, whoever it was. What what did that look like? What what business? What industry? If you don't mind sharing. Yeah, my my granddad started this uh, factory of chemicals. Uh, so it was like powder coating, you know, rust preventatives. My town is big into lathe machines and you know crankshafts and all the mechanical machinery they they export across the globe uh, is my town. So there's a bunch of factories there. And uh, this was provision of things that would aid in in those factories in terms of what whatever output they need to provide. So that was that was a vision he, you know, he put it together. My my granddad was a super fascinating guy, my one of my uh heroes in life. He, you know, he studied till three third grade. He learned 11 languages by himself. Uh, he brought about a culture where in the house, you know, he'd invite poets and philosophers and politicians and he'll have great debates and we get to sit in it. Uh, so he was always very sharp in his in his mind. You know, he, he like the day I go, don't go to the office is the day I'm going to die. So he was a workaholic in, <laughs> in one sense. You know, he, he went to the office till he was 87 until the day he died. Uh, it was just fascinating to see him. So he was a big presence in, in our lives. And, you know, a couple of things he told us, my brother and I, which kind of led to us diverting from that business was every third generation, you need to you need to change your line because uh, the first generation builds it. The second generation, if they're smart, they'll they'll observe uh, what has been built and the the sweat equity that has been gone into, you know, creating something that with long hours and hard work. Uh, by the third generation, you kind of born with a silver spoon, hopefully, and, you know, it can go pretty downhill pretty quickly. So he always encouraged us to, even though it will be great to just sit on that in the office and expand and what we have built and do something different. So my brother and I just went on a different path uh, rather than just uh, being the CEO of that company. That's what my, my next line of questioning was going to be around the intuition that you spoke of in a couple of different instances, moving to Charlotte, intuition took you to London. It sounds like, maybe I'm wrong, is, is, is your intuition, is the voice in your head, is that your grandfather or was it developed by your grandfather? No, it was, you know, I don't know. I, I think as Ellen Watts says, uh, decisions are like hiccups. You never know where they come from. So <laughs> uh, it's, you know, you never think, and you, think like yeah. and you think and, you, you know, you, you can't have every data point or variable, uh, you know, that you can think through because there's just infinite number of possibilities and you just go one way. So the way my personality is, I bet on things pretty, pretty heavily once I'm like, I'm very decisive in in that frame. So if I'm like, this is the direction we're going, then wholeheartedly I just bet on it. Um, and when I, for whatever reason, it was in ninth or tenth grade, we were talking in the United States, and upper education in the United States sounded fascinating. So I'm like, why not? 
Um, and that led to SATs and, you know, the GREs and IELTS, the English language courses and all the hoops that you have to jump through as an international student to apply uh, and eventually come here. So it, it was an interesting journey, uh, but the decision just somehow, it was something that popped in my mind. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going there. Are you intentional with that? Are you intentional with trusting your intuition? Is that something that I don't know if you learned it from that experience, like, wow, look what happens when you do, or yeah. if it's just something that you've always had that you've always felt like, why wouldn't I? It just seems crazy not to, but can you, this, this, there's a lot of meaning for this in this topic for me, especially right now. And I'll explain that in a minute. Can you talk through that? Are you intentional with intuition or is it just something that you like, I don't understand why you wouldn't follow it. Like what, what is that? Yeah, I've I've become over the years now, over the, at least the last three or four years, much more conscious of the fact that there is that there's you know there's two types of voices the the, the devil and the the then the angel type of right. voice right so the there is the voice of fear and you know things hey holding you back and not listening to that or not ignoring it, but knowing that it can be there time and again. And that's also a perspective of life. But then there's this powerful voice that just comes again very fast sometimes, even before your thinking mind starts. It just like, hey, this is what you got to do. And there's the answer. Now I've become more conscious that whenever I don't listen to it, things don't go my way. And whenever I'm open to just being at the pace of life where I can, you know, listen to my own voice on that side. Um, it has really, really allowed me to accelerate in many, many dimensions of life. So I'm becoming more conscious. It's how, not, uh, how are you conscious? Is there any, is there anything that you, is it meditation? Is there anything that you're doing to yeah. really like tune into that frequency or hear that voice? Yeah, so I I started with external uh, help, right? So I hired Jason Drees as a coach, yeah. uh, beginning of 2020, and uh, so he helped re- really helped me connect to some expanded consciousness. And then I just went on my own spiritual journey and said, you know, how can I, le- you know, level out the voices in my head? How can I be more in tune with myself? So you know, m- more regular meditations to your point, or just sitting down, type 10, five, 10 minutes, kind of letting the thoughts kind of flow through. Uh, and digesting them. And then every few months or so, I've started going to a place where I can completely shut off from all external stuff. So in the summer, I went for the Wim Hof, Iceman, you know, five-day camp up in the Pyrenees Mountains, no no cell phone, no Wi-Fi, um, and really allowed me to just take a step back because um, all, all the diseases right now are of abundance, right? You have too much information, too much light, too much food. Uh, and, and whenever you take a step back of that, you get back to that grounding mechanism or just yourself, right? You find your authentic self. So that's been helpful. Um, I'm not completely there yet. I would love to be every day, be able to tune into that and, and the, the larger intellect, um, but uh, not there yet completely. So that's wow. been my practice. I don't know if we ever are. <clears throat> and Jason is is uh, an incredible gift. I've, I've 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 had him on the podcast and then he spoke like you did to emerge and ascend in our case study. And um, 
you know, the more I'd listen to him and the more I, I hear from him, this is Jason Drees we're talking about. It's funny, I'm reading an advanced copy of Matt Onofrio's book. Here's a guy that Jason also, I think you said, like helped unlock levels of consciousness maybe that you hadn't been, yeah. been around. It, it's incredible how, how um, I mean, his lessons make a lot of sense to me, but how when in practice, you know, applied, it really works. The, the quick thing for me, and this was just a recent thing. I did a post about this uh, as of the time that we're recording because this won't come out for a few months. So we're in December. This will probably come out in February um, of 2022. But a friend of mine took his life recently. Actually, I shouldn't say a, 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 an old friend and not in a bad way, just a guy I went to high school with that we were close then. And then we just grew up and, you know, he went that way. I went that way, yeah. um, you know, but we were we were good friends at the time. And I learned he took his life recently. And what's weird about it is a week prior to that, out of the blue, he popped into my head, a memory of him that I thought was just hilarious. Something that he and I shared in high school. And I, I, I was picking up my phone to go on messenger and yeah. do a quick voice text to him. Right. And yeah. I didn't. And then like the next day it kept coming up, like this funny thing kept coming up. I'm yeah. like, I should Nah, It's weird. I shouldn't. And then a week later he, he ends up taking his life. And I, I just wonder, had I trusted that authentic voice in me, had I done what my intuition was telling me to do? Yeah. And I don't know. But might he have heard, wow, people people think of me, people care about me. I haven't heard from this guy in 20 years, but all of a sudden out of the blue, I get to, like, might that have been what my intuition was telling me through whatever frequency he and I were connected on in yeah. that moment? And again, I'm not blaming. This isn't, you know, I'm not taking this heavy feeling of like, if not for me, this wouldn't have, you know, yeah. but to your yeah. point, I, I have to wonder that now. I don't have, I don't have the benefit of saying, Hey, I did. I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I put it out there. I, you know, maybe I wouldn't have known anything and that would have been great because he would have just continued going on. But that intuition, that voice that you trust and tuning into that. I mean, you, you talk about getting quiet. I talk about that a lot. Like people say, what do you I'm like, get quiet once a quarter? Go away. Get away for a weekend. Right. I mean, it's just it's so powerful. And it sounds like that's been of major service to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what are you saying is 100 percent true. Like I make a habit every time somebody super random that I haven't spoken to or is super far away and there's no reason to pick up the phone, I always, always call them. And I, I had a similar person didn't uh, take his life, but he, well, one of my really good friends um, that I grew up with back in India uh, that we stay in touch with. Um, and whenever I go to India, we hang out together. But without that, you know, every six months or so, we pick up the phone and talk. Uh, um, and I just had the wild intuition of just calling him. And two days later, he he had to go in for an emergency bypass. Hmm. It, it's dude's 44, 45 years old, you know, young. And it, just, it was just incredible that I get to hear his voice before that happened. Uh, and it was just something that popped in my head. I'm like, I need to call this dude. Trust your intuition. Yeah. yeah. It might be the title of this episode, to be honest with you, because it's, <laughs> it's, it's what's guided you. It's what's taking yeah. you through life. And let's take that further. Let's take that to the next step, which is, you know, you're, you're in this corporate career. You're getting to work with the Vatican and, pe uh, 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 I wrote down the word penny because before you were talking about saving and saving your pennies, uh, Vatican and Disney and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. and then at some point, real estate enters the fray for you. So talk to me about, when, where, and then take me up through the decision to exit your corporate career. Yeah, absolutely. So before even that, there was a, you know, in, another intuition or, you know, you, you get, you change paths based on inspiration or desperation, right? So this one was desperation. So I was, mm. 
this 15 years career, you know, going super gung-ho every two, three years, I'm climbing the ladder, you know, senior executive, vested stock, traveling high class, you know, uh, restaurants four days a week. I'm living in hotels, so a million miles in my family. I could go for vacations. Beautiful journey, right? I love helping the clients uh, and really smart people to work with, 80-hour weeks so and nothing else to look forward to from that perspective, but, you know, routine in itself. Uh, and then my kids were born, my twins. Um, and when they were just about to turn one, I was up in Boston for a client um, and 45 minutes away from the airport. And my wife calls me that my daughter uh, had a skull fracture. And they were just, uh, you know, walking in diapers and one bumped against the other and a hit on the head and, uh, you know, cracked the skull open. And uh, that's just a feeling of nausea kind of coming over me. I'm talking to the clients while crying. I've never, you know, you, you don't show your emotions when you're a consultant. You're there as a as a therapist, as a consultant for everything, right? People, clients are usually talk to you about personal stuff and you just stoic, you're helping them. That's the nature of that business. So for me to, as a senior executive, going there and crying in front of my clients, I'm trying to find tickets um, to go back to, to my house and really be there with my family, uh, changed something in me. And, you know, while my daughter didn't need surgery and she was completely fine and now a healthy six-year-old, uh, it reminded me the importance of being a dad and what would I have lost if something bad had happened. And uh, so that led to a path of, hey, I need to change where I need to be. I need to be home more. Um, and I need to figure out a way to do it, which because I'm super ambitious, doesn't allow me to take a step back from what I've built. So that meant I put up, uh, uh, again, a thought in my head. This is what I'm going to achieve. I'm going to double my pay. I'm going to go to a non-consulting business. I'm going to go to a business which allows me to go from 80-hour week to 30-hour weeks as a job. And it allows me to stay more home, or, you know, work from home pre-COVID. This is pre-COVID. So it took me, after that decision was made, 120 tries so I applied to 120 jobs, uh, failed. Well, failed. Some, you know, didn't match my criteria. Some just didn't uh, match my alignment in terms of what I wanted to do versus what they wanted to do. Tweaked 40 versions of my resume and did all that before a uh, year and a half later, I got into Wells Fargo, uh, effectively doubling my pay, uh, working from home for the most part. 30-hour weeks, a nice assistant, very cushy job, uh, and changed life for me and my family. And I could, you know, go to my kids' school and daycare every day of the week, all that lovely stuff. So I'm like, this is awesome, right? And the failures were big. You know, sometimes they sucked. Or most of the times they sucked. But if I put my mind into something, again, I'm honing and evolving on how I'm thinking, you know, I can I can get to a point where I can I can achieve that. So that led to a path of, all right, I'm getting bored now that I'm working 30 hour weeks, what do I do? So I started opening up businesses and I started introspecting on what competencies do I have, right? I've been able to consult from the age of 22, these CEOs, CFOs on how to pivot their business, how to scale their business. So I figured I'm not a new ideas guy, but 
if I get an idea, I know how to scale this pretty quickly. I know how to hire people. I know how to build processes. I know how to build a culture for a team or organization. And really, I, if I did that for myself, what would that look like? So led to a path of uh, an outsourcing company that I scaled and exited, and a private lending firm, uh, then a residential real estate firm. Um, and then, you know, 2020, I was kind of in this conundrum. I'm like, all right, I have nine employees in the residential uh, house flipping business. I'm earning good money. I'm at Wells Fargo. I'm working, but this is not exciting me. Where's what, what's the point of friction that's um, happening at my in my life in terms of what I want to do with the business? Can I scale this to multiple cities? Can I build fifty more employees? What do I do? And uh, that's that's the point where I found uh, Jason. And uh, you know, so the first conversation I had with him is like, you need to shut down your business. And I'm like, what? He's uh, like, yes, it's you cannot go from a senior vice president to a house flipper. Uh, that's not your path. And that's mm. why it's creating the friction. Even though it's earning you money and it looks nice and you can scale it, you're not going to be happy doing this. It's not exciting. You You need to, if you want to really climb up another mountain, you really need to climb down this mountain. So this was two months before COVID hit. And I took his advice. I let my nine employees go with good packages. And I shut down my house flipping business permanently. Give me an idea volume wise at this point. What, what, were, you, what were you doing in volume from a flipping perspective? We were sending like 70,000 texts a month. So probably, you know, 10 to 15 flips a month. It was pretty, wow. yeah, it was pretty, wow. pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. It was a good check. So I apologize. I didn't mean to derail you, but I was just curious the scale of this business. So, yeah. okay, so you, you decide you're shutting this down. Let people go. Continue, yeah. please. Yeah. And th- these are folks in Philippines, all VAs. Um, so we had systems and processes and all that lovely stuff built. And I built a culture, you know, core values, all of that. I really wanted them to feel like they're part of the company, just like if they were here. So, again, this was all everything. The universe doesn't make a mistake, right? Everything was leading to certain points, and I'm sure everything till now is leading to another points in my life, yep. um, and and your life, right? So that's when, within those two months, I discovered commercial real estate um, and started in the heart of COVID passively investing in syndications. Uh, and really gathering competitive intelligence on how reporting works, how communication works, how the teams are built, what can we do? Um, and there came a point where I was like, okay, uh, there's two forks in my life. I could either just you know, do this 15, 20 times, invest passively, um, and then recycle that money every three to five years and you know, live off a nice check and, and, and be good, right? And that's one path. Or I, this business can really be a team sport where I can scale crazy big uh, with a lot of partners. I can stay in my lane of you know providing the direction for the company, the hiring, the growth strategy, which divisions we want to create, and really create a Fortune 100 type of organization. It doesn't have to be big or small, but it works in a, in a process-oriented way that is not transactional in the real estate world. So... That's what that's the path I chose. And September first of twenty twenty, uh, in the heart of COVID, we we bought uh, our first two hundred and eight units uh, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And since 
in the last 14, 15 months, we've gone to from zero to 82 million in assets and counting. Believable. Uh, that uh, when you said September, I looked up at the 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 date on my yeah. on my uh, on my computer. So that was September of 2020. We're sitting here on December 20th of 2021. So we're talking 14 months through a pandemic. You went yeah. from zero to 82 million in, in assets under management. Who is? Let's start with the team. Yeah. Who, who? How did you identify? Who did you identify? Like, how big did you build it before you started? Or was it built as you went? Give me kind of the beginnings of that, if you could take us through. Yeah. It. 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 it, uh, it the team has evolved based on what I look at macroeconomically happening. Right. So first thing I needed was a good CEO partner uh, that is complementary in terms of you know cracking the whip with property management, doing you know doing the legal negotiations. Kind of maximizer type of personality that can squeeze the the last dollar in terms of efficiency. Because I'm not the guy. I'm the guy who shakes hands and kisses babies, right? I love talking. I love building genuine relationships. I love you know people want to work with us um, in, in in because of that warmth of my nature and genuine uh, type of uh, credibility that I build and trust I build in webinars and conversations with investors, etc. So that that was the first. Uh, set of partnership. Then we were like, okay, what is what is uh, right now the the most uh, rare thing in the investment world, which was deals. Good good deals were hard to find. The money was being printed left, right, and center. So capital with good deals was easier to find. How can we get the, the right uh, projects in our hands? So we had uh, our director of acquisitions now. He and I got started talking. He was working with someone else um, in the multifamily world. Uh, and he came from a 30, 40 years of background of sales and training, et cetera. And he decided to move his entire family to be with us from Raleigh to Charlotte, um, you know, bought a house here. I didn't pay him for six months. It was just incredible. And I'm super grateful that you know, people like that are what I'm surrounded by. So we got the director of acquisitions then underwriting consultant as we started getting into bigger projects. We wanted to make sure that, you know, the institutional level investors, we invest in our website, our underwriting models, et cetera. So we've got the underwriting consultant. And then this March or April, we were like, hey, th deals are getting um, not only harder, but just crazy numbers are being popped out right now. So how can we expand? You know, we have this machine now with the multifamily side that's going to work. You know, one one or two deals uh, a quarter, hopefully they'll 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 eke out. Uh, where can we go? And so we expand into the development side again. Brandon uh, Maxwell, who owned a residential development company here, sold his company. Uh, to be part of uh, our company and be the head of new development, and head of rezone, land rezoning. So he's the other person we hire. So slowly and organically, we built the team. We're expanding into property management uh, in 2022. We're expanding into a fund model. Uh, we're thinking with a software as a service uh, for the underwriting stuff that we've done. Uh, we'll do something on the education side, uh, really our experience on managing assets and property management. So the whole vision of how we can complete and be the one-stop shop in the Carolinas for a company that wants to come here and invest in multifamily or self-storage right. or new development. 
So let's let's go. I, I so you mentioned the director of acquisitions didn't pay, uh, uh, didn't get paid for six months. Uprooted his family to move to work with you. The head of development uh, and zoning, I think you said, um, uh, sold his company to come work with you. I want to touch on those two in a moment. The CEO that you found was this? How, what like this is a brand new company? I mean, maybe you had income from the flips. I'm not sure, but. Did you pay this person? Was it an agreement that pay would come with with acquisition? Like, how did you structure and and bring in? You know, when when you're trying to uh, if you, when you're trying to bring in that that integrator, which is what you hired, right? That person to to really take your vision and integrate yep. it. How did you structure that? How did you how did you ensure? How did you how did you net that person? How did you grab them? Yeah, it was, it was to, to, it's exactly the point I wrestled with, right? I, I need to find someone that I completely trust. So this was my friend of 10, 12 years, very similar vision in terms of owning residential portfolios, et cetera. Yeah. Um, but then I, when we were kind of going through the path, he was looking at commercial real estate as well. And I knew his competency was very complementary to mine. So yeah. we ended into a partnership and, uh, you know, for me, Again, you, the way the way I was thinking is, you know, if you own a ten million dollar company, hundred percent of that, or one percent of a billion dollar company, your net worth's the same, but the way you operate things, the way you think about things, is kind of super different, right? You have to have different levels of process, a different levels of training, culture to create a billion dollar company than a ten million dollar company. So. Well, my vision always has been, you know, when you think of, when I think about Wells Fargo or my consulting firm, the head of accounting is running his, his or her own division. And it could be a seven figure, you know, paycheck for him or her for that division. But they're in their lane, just making things more efficient, hopefully, and more productive for that division. And that's one cog in a wheel of things, vertical and horizontal, that needs to go through that needs to, you know, that would allow you to kind of build a very healthy business that's function functioning like a symbiotic system almost, right? So that that vision allowed me to say, my first level of leadership doesn't need to be completely salary. They, their outcome needs to be matched to the success of the company. And, uh, for you know, whatever equity share that means, I'm not a greedy guy. I don't need to keep 100%. That would allow me to scale faster. And then when we hire the second level of management or leadership, then we have enough going on in all these divisions of our company that allows us to pay rock stars on a salary and bonus basis. Because in this world, macroeconomically, you know, salary and bonuses are getting more, much more inflationary. And it's hard to sustain people if you don't have the right projects coming in. And when you're building something, Every project that you take wants needs to be a unicorn, right? Because your entire credibility depends on, hey, these guys have the best deals. I'm going to invest only with them if I have the funds. That's the type of culture we want to create, right? Because that's that's something that organically grows in itself. So that's where we went. What's the value proposition for your partner? So you have this concept, this idea, you want to start this thing. He, it sounds like, has the experience, right? So, so for you, like when you pitch him on partnering with you for whatever share that might be, you know, whether yeah. it's majority, minority, whatever it might be, what's the value that you bring in that equation? Is it simply, uh, like you talked about the department head finding efficiencies horizontally, vertically to kind of, is, is it like, Hey, 
I need you to do that, Hemel. That's what, yeah, that's what I need that guy. I need that guy with the big vision who can see yeah. six months down the road because I can't. You tell me the six-month vision and, man, I can line up the sticks and I can knock them down. But I yeah. need the guy that can see further out. That's not yeah. me. Is that his own recognition of his skill set and his lane? Is that the the value you bring to him? So the value I bring to to my company in general is yeah. the entire, not only the vision and the growth, right? Uh, it's it's the the marketing. It's all the investor relationships, all our partner relationships, um, all of that uh, with private equity firms, with large retail investors. Um, all of that comes through, you know, through me essentially, and yeah. uh, the marketing, the growth of the firm, which division we want to invest in, along with my own funds in terms of these investments where we open up a new division or we're betting on something that could, you know, not work and we could lose six figures or whatever, right? So that that's the value that I bring to the firm, right? It's people can be in their lane, the the, the operation, my CEO can be really looking to have not to worry about where the 3 million in capital is coming from and really worry about closing the deal, making sure the property management is there day one as we expand into building the property management firm, right? Hiring the right people, all of that stuff that is essential to the success once we close. But before closing, you know, making sure that the, the investors understand the deal, making sure that the investor memorandum, the portal, all the discussions, all my investors have my cell phone, right? So they, they can call me anytime and really know what's going on with the project. Real quick, how large an investor pool are you at right now? If you don't mind, like how big is your list? Is it thousands, hundreds, just to get an idea of scaling an $82 million operation in 14 yeah. months? How big a list does that need to be? So it's 500 people. Okay. Um, it's, you know, I would say at, at any given point in any given project, probably 10 to 20 of them would get excited. Uh, like, hey, you know, I've just sold my stock. I'm ready. My, you know, I need my bonus depreciation or whatever. So yeah, yeah. That, that's where we are. We could, we could really do much more. And that's a, that's a place where, I, I want to learn from you and you know others in terms of being consistent with our visibility and, and marketing efforts, you know, not 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 hard selling, but just being out there, people knowing our brand, people knowing what we do and how fast we've grown and what we're trying to do. Because when we have one-on-one conversations with big, big private equity firms, they're like, that's tremendous momentum. We want to work with you guys, grow a little bit more, got to get a little bit more vertical and we'll, we'll partner up. And so there's a lot of excitement on what we're doing, but it's not visible to as many people as we want. Your structure is, a, I'm just curious, 506B or 506C? C. 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 Okay, yeah. that makes sense. Um, on the director of acquisitions and the head of development, moving in the first uh, example and selling their business to come work with you in the second example, this is pre- or during the early stages of your acquisitions, right? How, why, why do these folks literally uproot, sell, completely change their, their, uh, the direction of their lives? What are you selling them? What, what's the vision you're giving or what, are, you, are you slipping them a Mickey? What is it that you're doing to get yeah. these folks to completely say, Hey, you know what? I'm so bought in to what you're doing. And, and to be frank, I know you've never done it before. You've never, it's not like you 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 sold another uh, uh, syndication business and now you're starting this one. You had the flipping business. So you've got yeah. the the benefit of of experience in, in the real estate space. But 
What are you saying or doing? What is it that's making these people draw to you where they're literally willing to uproot or change their lives to work with you? And that's that's my superpower, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. always been the guy. Uh, it's vibes, right? Uh, that's what I. It sounds vague and you know cheeky, but it's vibes, right? So, if you think about someone, you know, if you and I and ten other people are standing at a crossing and somebody's lost and they're looking for directions, yeah, you know, out of twelve people, they'll pick me. Mm. That. That's always been the case in my life. And so when I when I speak with someone and I laid out the vision to, to my team and we continue to do so and refine, um, I provide, you know, a few things. One, a vision that's larger than what we're trying to do. It's not, we don't talk about money. It's what, what we can achieve as a group, as a company, and what we can do in that space. Um, allowing them to have the autonomy to make mistakes and me living by them mm-hmm. um, rather than not treating them as, you know, just employees or anything of that sort. And then uh, respect and gratitude. And mm-hmm. it sounds so simple, but when I've put together all those pieces, uh, that has made me a very successful consultant uh, for 15 years. Uh, that has made me a good leader within Wells Fargo. I, people, who, you know, when I left, quit the consulting work, um, I actually got to hire my own team and, you know, build my own team. People were following me, essentially, uh, for lack of better words. And they were like, I don't care about the role. I just want to work with a leader like yourself. Um, so it has been two decades of, just experience, leadership experience uh, that comes from, you know, again, very cheeky word to use, servant leadership. But I'll always pick up the phone. If I'm calling my teammate, I'll be like, how can I assist you? Where do you need? Do you want me to stay out of the way? Or is there any place where you need to raise your hand and how, how can I assist you? And that that allows them to free be free in leading in a manner that I have entrusted them to be, uh, but also knowing that I got their back. And any mistakes they make, I'm I'm going to own up to them. Is this strategic? The idea of servant leadership, or is it intuitive? It's it's me. Yeah, and that's what I was going to ask. I, I guess uh, you've worked with a lot of different people at various levels, like you said. You know, the CEO, CFOs of companies like Disney. Um, you know, these folks that you've partnered with, your director of acquisitions, your CEO, who have different experiences. I mean, you you've been in so many different scenarios to observe you know, behavior, skills, superpowers that people have. Yeah. Is there a, is there a, um, how do I ask this? Is there a right way or a wrong way? Or is there a, a, um, a set of standards that one must possess in order to have success? Or is your answer, and I think it might be, you know, getting closer to knowing who you are and being that, even if it feels ridiculous, like, you know, you're funny. That's a power. Use that. You can use that power and have enormous yeah. success. And like, is that, is it as simple as that? Like, could you be funny? I know we're using it. Like you say cheeky. I love that. So kind of, that's your London roots, uh, a cheeky example yeah. of, of, you know, but if you're, if you, if you've got humor, for instance, and I don't know why that's coming to mind. Yeah. Can you carve out success in business by be authentically, by being authentically humorous? Do you think? I, I, I think so, right? I, I think it's a mixture of both, right? Finding yourself and being yourself in its true sense, which you you mentioned many times in your podcasts and and blogs and, and video posts. Um, yeah. But then combining, there's certain things that you just can't get away with, right? One, 
you know, hard work, you gotta work your butt off. Right? That's the foundation to, to, to success. Um, you know, people say, oh, work hard or work smart. You gotta do both. Um, and it's not an either or thing, uh, to be honest. I still work seven days a week. It's, that's how I function. It's my harmony. I, I don't see myself on a beach and maybe it's my granddad's genes, but, um, I, 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 you know, I love experiences and I've had more international trips this year than any other year in the heart of COVID. Like I've, yeah. I've been outside seven times you know, twice to Spain, England, Panama, all kinds of places and great experiences. Um, so um, that, that's one, you know, the empathy is another, right? If you genuinely in this world where there's just so much, we're, we're, we're together physically, but we're separate digitally, having empathy as a leader, knowing people's opinions and ideas and ideologies might be completely radical and different than yours. Uh, putting yourself in somebody else's shoes makes you a great leader. And then, you know, more than what you work on, who you, who do you work with? What are you working on? Uh, and then, you know, how hard you work. Those are the three ways you can, I kind of look at it. You know, you have what I love about that's incredible. And what I love about all of that uh, is that it's all inner reflective. And what I mean by that is it's all within your control. You can yeah. control how hard you work. You can't control others' behaviors, but you can control your reaction to those. That's what you're talking about with empathy, right? You yeah. control who you're working with. And, and in yeah. this case, you did. You, you know, you, you selected people based on the skill set that either you, you know, like that you felt was best, a best fit for partnership and or for the, the future of your company, this entity that you were building. Yeah. So yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I look like you might want to. Yeah. And the last thing is flexibility. Right. In, in everything in our world, all skill sets, all trajectories now are, you know, five years to 10 years, in my opinion. Right. So um, right from kids education to where I think my path would be. Right. I could create a billion dollar company, but also five years from now, I'll be like, oh, I want to do something else. And that's fine. Right. As long as you create a meritocracy in your organization. So when I'm not fit to be a CEO, I need to step down. Somebody else needs to take in and I need to follow something else as a passion. Right. And allowing yourself to be not rigid uh, in, you know, because once you master the game and um, a way of thinking, it's you become again in your comfort zone. And especially if it's bringing you money. You, you need to evaluate again in a reflection, you need to evaluate every few months or so whether that's the path that's keeping you excited, keeping you happy in terms of what you're doing. Um, in case in point, my business and how I, uh, uh, how I had to quit it uh, because somebody else had to tell me that. And in my heart of heart, I, if I reflect back, I knew that I was not happy. But the allure of earning extra bucks made me keep going. And you don't want to be in that path because that's when you know, life is wasted. And our kids are about the, well, my oldest kid is your kid's age, your twin's age, six, six years old. And I don't know that I had a, um, a moment like you did. I mean, a skull fracture is going to, you know, it's going to shock you into life at that point. I didn't have that. But when I look at the, the, the trajectory of my life and maybe it wasn't noticeable, but it seems like whatever, whatever shift I made started around the time that my first son was born. And the same as you, I was in Boston at the time. I had a, a good job in the company that I was working for. And it was like, I got to double it up. I got to level this up. And I went all out. I applied everywhere within my company. It wasn't, wasn't 120 resumes, but 
in my company, I, you know, seven, eight times that I interviewed for this level of job anywhere, Texas, yeah. New Jersey, Indiana, yeah. you name it, wherever I can go, I want that job. Um, comparatively, it's similar to what you were just explaining. And then I got that job. And when I did, I looked back and I, to your point, like I knew then like, ah, I, had this, I was disconnecting from this and it was time to go down a different path. Yeah. The, the difference between you and me that I hear and what I'm learning from you today is that you a while ago learned the power of trusting your intuition and how to tune into that. That's a more recent thing for me. And I'm still on that path. So again, I, I just, I really appreciate you talking about this. I know I kind of went down that rabbit hole pretty deep, but it's important to me. And I'm sure for many people listening, it's an important thing to hear about, you know, that, that, um, that authentic, uh, inner being, whatever it is that's shouting out. I mean, you talk about Jason Drees. He talks, he tells the story of Brandon Turner, who, if you're in real estate, you know who Brandon Turner is, you know, saying, yeah, you know, I think I should just get a massage. And he's like, then go do that. And he's like, I was kidding. You know, no, he's like, you need yeah. to go do that. And yeah. on that massage table unleashed, like all these, all these ideas that created where he is today, so to speak. Right. So yeah. it's trusting that little voice in you make the, make the voice text that I didn't to the yeah. long lost friend that I just happened to randomly think about before something like this, something tragic happens, or in your case, you know, it's time to pivot and close this this successful 10, 15 flips. I mean, flippers would kill for that type of business, right? You had that and it was like time to go. And where you are now is is testament to that. So let's let's do this. Let's do a quick pivot over. I want to I don't want to like ignore the one sheet, but I want to do it kind of quickly. So let's just go real quick pillar by pillar. Let's start with horizontal income right now. If you're willing to share how many lines and what is your horizontal income? Yeah, I've got seven, um, actually nine lines, mainly in the e-commerce uh, space. We're building a couple of title companies and uh, also looking at lending, et cetera, on the horizontal side, just ancillary to our core uh, business uh, with a couple of GoBros. Yeah. And uh, But that's the Amazon stores, the Walmart stores. I'm looking into YouTube. That has been my... Uh, favorite pastime in terms of just I, I bet on one it was successful so I made you know invested in seven of them mm. uh, and that's been the main main driver and that comes about you know 300 or so in uh, in horizontal income annually as of now what percentage does that make you what does that cover of your expenses oh it, it covers 100 <laughs> percent yeah you hit it financially free I love it that's amazing free. Yep. How, how about uh, age-defying health? Tell, tell me about diet, exercise, and, and where you are with all of that right now. Yeah, that's the place where I need to work on big time. Um, it's uh, my my age. My I went to the David Sinclair Dallas conference. Oh yeah. And before my blood work, uh, stupid guy, I was waiting in line at uh, Quest Diagnostics and. Uh, like I need a latte. <laughs> that's a that's a voice I should not have listened to. <laughs> so my insulin level came spiked up. Uh, you know, like six seven years more added to my inner age uh, from where wow. I am just because of insulin. And I knew, you know, it was, it was some of it's uh, uh, the latte. I'm sure I didn't fast. Um, but also, you know, just to get, getting a grip on um, just a few things. So I'm, I'm actually 2022. This is my live announcement is I'm, I'm actually taking a break from drinking in the, the entirety of 2022, which is going to be ironic because my basement, we're building a whiskey and cigar lounge. 
So that's going to be just for the guests. <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, and then uh, getting my, myself into shape. That's- you know what I love about that, though? I talk about this with Emerge and Ascend. It's, it's the idea of habit uh, one by one, right? So there's a lot of different things you could do from a health perspective. And when people, whether it's New Year or whatever, in my opinion, hit that point, they say, I'm changing it all. Like yeah. you're just, you're going to crash. I just think like, so you're talking about one thing. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to do what I do. I'm going to get my latte, but I'm yeah. going to give up the drinking. And then yeah. from there you can stack once you're yeah. used to not drinking and it almost is like re- repulsive maybe to you, maybe it gets to that point. Then you could say, all right, you know what? I'm going to look at my sugar intake or my exercise regimen or my food intake or whatever yeah. it might be. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be built in a day unless, I mean, I, you know, I'm sure people who have like that heart attack, that massive, like life changing moment, they can switch it all. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. But generally speaking, one at a time makes a lot of sense. So I love that. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Uh, how about, uh, we talked about family. How about uh, contribution? Do you have a specific area you like to give or amount you like to give? Or is it time, money? Talk about that for a moment. Yeah. So it's time. Uh, I, I Time is going to be super, my, I'm very ruthless with my time. Everything prioritized, just like I think many, many GoBros and calendar appointments, date nights, time with the kids all meeting, my own time. Like I just put in, you know, every Friday uh, think time, uh, every Monday deep work time into my calendar so nobody can book that and I can stay focused. Um, and so giving my time to anything or anyone is just uh, the, the highest uh, give that I could provide. And 2022, I, I want to do more of that. And when, when I go to India in, in a few days, I, I want to help some of the orphans there. Uh, we've been doing that for a while uh, and uh, elderly homes as well, just from a contribution standpoint. Um, and then next year, I think uh, the charity, I want to up it up to 25,000 in, a, in a, a monetary charity as well. Uh, on the, the next question was going to be about upcoming adventures or trips. So you've got India coming up. That's not a quick trip. That's a, that's a decent sized trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's five weeks. So next year, um, you know, this year I had that seven trips, one of them being Wim Hof. The next year, uh, ayahuasca experience is, uh, is one of the bucket lists. I want to do that. And I want to go to Japan. Um, I was talking to a couple of guys, Mike, Mike Schwager and, uh, and their trip and Pat Hyben's trip. And he was telling me about the Mario Karts they drove. And I'm like, dude, I, I need to be there. So 2022 is Japan. Where's ayahuasca? Is that Peru? Uh, I'm looking at a center in Costa Rica. That yeah. Does the whole seven day four experiences plus, you know, massage and detox and wellness diets and the whole shebang. Again, it's more than just one thing. I think allow me, if I plan it next summer, you know, by those six months, I would have grinded enough to to know in my heart of hearts that I need to take a step back and just switch off. Um, and so, you know, getting to that point and working hard, doing all the things I need to, then taking a step back, bring five more ideas in the summer to pivot to other things uh, would be super helpful. You know, it's funny, the, 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 uh, the, the, the idea of psychedelics had become a, a recent thing for me. In fact, a guy in Ascend bought me a book. I, it's upstairs. I can't remember the name of it. I started and stopped it a few times, but it really gets deep on the history of psychedelics. I mean, for many people, it's like, what are these designer drugs with these GoBundance guys, that kind of thing? But yeah. it's not, you know, psychedelics uh, held a role in the, what, 20s, 30s, 40s in, yeah. in you know, changing the path of mental mental, mental illness until it be, they became vilified in the 60s. And yeah. the government said, forget this, dry up all funding. 90s kind of reintroduced it. And now 
yeah, we're looking at psilocybin right now as our first sort of foray into it early in the year. But I've had this calling to ayahuasca, I feel like, for some time. So you and I have to chat because yeah. yeah. uh, that, that might be a <laughs> go a yeah. trip together. I think I've looked at Peru, Costa Rica. There's some places in the States, but um, very interesting. It's funny the yeah. things you bring up, you know, the yeah. universe. <laughs> yes. It's a, it's a trip in the making. Why don't we we do it together? I would on. love to, man. Yeah, that would be amazing. I think that's that's around the time I was thinking next summer for for when to do it. So yeah, we'll chat. We'll chat for sure. All right. Let's uh I'm speaking of time, I'm over your time here, but let's wrap up with a question from the GoBundance card game. And the question is, what's the most ridiculous little known fact that you know? What's something trivial that you just know? <laughs> Wow, that's uh, I gotta think about it. <laughs> or it can be about you. Maybe there's a ridiculous fact about you. Like I'll share one to, to open this up. I'm double yeah. jointed. If you're on YouTube, I can bend my finger all the way back to the back oh, of my wow. head. Trivial, wow. ridiculous wow. fact about me. So your yeah. turn. <laughs> so um, I would say the game of golf was introduced to me as uh, something that was just a networking thing. I'll say this story. Uh, which is a fact. And the ridic most ridiculous fact is the first ever game of golf I played, I killed a go goose with a golf ball. I, I shanked the ball towards the pond. Um, and this is in 2012. We were in Panama City Beach with a bunch of uh, directors and managers kind of doing a weekend together. And I chugged along and I'm like, oh, yeah, let's play golf. I don't know anything about it. Uh, and I killed the goose. And uh, that's that, you know, Apparently that was the only birdie I would get that day, and I needed a hunting license to be on a golf course. And I didn't even think of the birdie. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that that, uh, but that allowed me to, for some reason, just fell in love with the game, and you know, I love playing it. I still suck at it, uh, not kill any gooses geese anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, it, that's been that that has been a slice of my life. It took a murder for you to fall in but, love with it. Yeah, I love it. I yeah. love it. Maybe your inner being was hungry. That's that's what that was. That was <laughs> Maybe. You know? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Hamilton, anywhere that you want to direct people to learn more about you, find out more about you, a, a Facebook, Instagram handle or a email, whatever it is you might want to throw out there. Website. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love to connect. I love to talk to people and learn from them and uh, see where I can assist or uh, help them in their lives. And so um, my company website is exponential-equity.com and my email is uh, hamel at the rate exponential-equity.com. Uh, please feel free to reach out to me and I love to connect. Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for all that you poured into this interview. We've had a few interactions. I appreciate your, your insights when we met in Atlanta. And then you're, you, I mean, still legend, the things the thing of legends, your uh, talk with Emerge and Ascend. I hear a lot of people still talking about that. So I appreciate all that you, you give to the world, man. Keep leaning into that superpower. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this episode, but be sure you subscribe for future episodes. Give us a rating and review as well. It just helps us grow the podcast, grow the reach, and give as much value as we can to you on a week-to-week -week basis. Be sure to go over and check out GoBundance.com while you're at it. Check out Emerge if you're a future millionaire, our elite division if you're in that $1 to $5 million range, or our champion division at $5 million plus. Or on the women's side, GoBundance Women is available for all of you to join an amazing group of millionaire entrepreneurial women. And if you haven't already, 
Jump on tribeofmillionaires.com and order the book that is the namesake of this podcast. And you'll learn all about what this whole GoBundance thing is, what masterminds are about, and the power of community, accountability, connection, and all of that as you pursue your goals. Thanks for listening again. We'll talk to you soon.